Welcome to Linux Link Radio by TimeSys, the podcast for embedded Linux developers. Hi, this is Gene Sally. I'm presenting this episode of Linux Link Radio by TimeSys. Uh, I'm doing this by myself. I don't have uh, my uh, my cohort, uh, Maciej, with me. He's out talking to customers this week, and and so we wanted to get an episode ready, and... Uh, so I'm going to be doing it myself. So one of the things I want to talk about this week is something probably a little bit less technical, and that is uh, why customers uh, ended up picking Linux. And what I was doing over the past couple of weeks is I was traveling. I was you know, over on the West Coast or outside the country talking to, to customers about why they pick Linux, why Linux was important to them, how it was helpful in their projects, and, of course, you know how Linux Link fulfilled their needs for them and if we did a good job doing that. Um, one of the things that I thought would be most insightful to learn whenever I interviewed our customers is why do they decide to use Linux in the first place? Um, there are several uh, embedded operating systems out there that they could use in order to do some of their, you know, in order to fulfill their project needs. And uh, in a lot of cases, even though the the embedded operating system uh, alternatives were out there, they still pick Linux over something that they had worked with before. And so they decided to make a change and start using Linux over uh, any number of alternative operating systems. And so I was very curious to understand why they chose that and why that was important to them such that they you know, go away from what they were using before and, and that they, they had some uh, degree of comfort with and also needed to undergo uh, some amount of porting effort. Uh, one of the, the big drivers uh, or, or big reasons was uh, device driver support. Depending upon the embedded operating system that you pick, uh, you may not have uh, support for certain device drivers, uh, certain devices uh, that's, uh, and that may not be supported at all in, in the case of some um, OSs that are out there, or the support may be something that's uh, a cost item, something you may have to pay for. And depending upon the environment that you're in, sometimes it's quite difficult to cost justify uh, the, additional, um, the additional cost for the driver. Uh, even even if you ship in the hundreds of thousands of units, uh, depending upon how it's priced, so that was far and away the the first item that was that was uh, indicated in the list. It had nothing to do with necessarily free software, um, or that Linux was GPL or any of the licensing um, uh, issues or cost uh, some of the cost issues, but it was usually the fact that the driver support was not available or not available more appropriately at a reasonable cost given the cost structure of the project. And that sort of segues into the second item. Um, most customers uh, that, that I talk to, most users, and these are so these are customers that have you know, shipping products with Linux, um, uh, picked it because it was, in fact, free and open software. And they felt like going with Linux and picking Linux was something that let them be free from their vendor. Um, now, I, one of the important things to point out, and I want to talk about that uh, later in a little bit more detail, is that free to, to these users doesn't not, didn't necessarily mean cost um, free. It meant um, that they had the ability to change and modify and twist and bend uh, Linux to fit their particular needs. And they could do that given the terms of the license, and uh, that's something that they really did not have the freedom or necessarily the expertise to do with their uh, prior OS. Depending upon the operating system that you use, sometimes you don't get the source code to it or it comes uh, packaged in uh, object files that you link together um, in order to build an operating system and you really don't have that source code. Um, Or you happen to get source code that's given to you. Um, However, 
you fall outside of your support agreement if you modify it. And so by picking up something like Linux, uh, these customers feel like they've taken some of the risk out of their project with respect to meeting some of their specific needs uh, whenever they have to get in and modify the operating system. Now, of course, depending upon the project, I talked to customers that did everything from you know, printers to uh, satellite communications. Depending upon the project, uh, their needs and to, to modify the kernel um, may be you know, quite small. Um, or, and some of them actually made you know, fairly wholesale uh, revisions to, to the kernel in order, which, in order to meet their uh, project needs. Uh, but in all cases, even customers that said it was very important for them to have the ability to change the kernel didn't actually do so. Um, it was just for them the feeling of assurance that they didn't happen to be locked in or in case that uh, they did run into a, an interesting corner condition, uh, they could get in there and make the changes that they needed in order to be uh, successful. So the freedom as in you know, free to modify, free to change, uh, free to you know, uh, free to have the software and change it to meet their needs is was a, a huge, uh, a huge uh, driver in that market. Uh, the next item uh, was royalties. Um, now, I, I know I just mentioned that you know cost wasn't a substantial factor. Um, generally, for 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 some of the projects, not all, they fell into a couple different camps. I'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, the the idea of, of royalties at runtime um, was a, an issue for some operating systems. Now, of the customers I talked to, uh, there are two different camps, I would say, things divided into. You had the high unit camps, so customers that would be making 10, 50, 100,000 of you know, whatever things they had, um, or you had customers that made three or four or five. Now, both of these still made embedded systems, no doubt about it. Um, it's just the volume in which uh, the embedded systems were sold. Royalties became very important for people that did larger scale systems because they represented not only a financial overhead, which could be built into the price depending on market conditions, but they also represented an administrative overhead, and it also was an intrusion into their business. Um, so not only the fact that they have to go in and report the number of particular licenses sold, um, that in itself introduced some administrative overhead. Someone had to keep track of that and fill out the form and write the report and get the checkout and those sort of things. Uh, but it also uh, exposed some internal state of the company to someone they may not be interested in doing that to. And so the idea that royalties um, royalties are difficult isn't necessarily, again, a financial issue. Now, I found that the customers that were in the you know, high vol- or pardon me, the uh, low-volume uh, group uh, were less concerned about things like royalties. And that made sense for them because uh, if, you f- if you think they didn't have a large number of units to buy, uh, typically the machine, or the, the machine they were selling was uh, high unit cost enough they could pre-purchase their license reasonably or the software was or, or each order was bespoke so that you know customers would make large custom orders and they would just happen to ship a few of these things. And so a lot of the administrative risk was gone. Uh, I found that very curious because it wasn't necessarily just the financial aspect, you know, a dollar or two or something per unit, but it was the administrative and uh, privacy aspect that caused a lot of customers uh, to shy away. The other driver behind Linux was the belief um, that more support was available. There was a greater pool of support, uh, both from a um, perspective of the open source community and the fact that they would have an easier time attracting talent in order to do their engineering work. And this I found really curious because uh, a lot of customers doing embedded engineering 
uh, believed and you know by talking to the engineers you know uh, practice what they preach and that uh, some of their uh, engineering stuff in fact worked on enterprise systems before coming uh, into doing embedded Linux work um, so when they think about support uh, it's a quite it's a it's quite a different model it's not just uh, will someone pick up a phone at a company but it's Will I be able to staff my project appropriately um, in order you know will I be able to get the right talent? Will I be able to get the right people so I can staff my project so I can make my deadlines and in an overwhelming number of cases uh, uh, companies had selected Linux because they believed they could attract that support uh, from you know from the talent pool that was uh, local to them and I thought that was a ringing endorsement of Linux uh, in in that it's uh, widely so widely accepted at this point that even embedded uh, folks who typically are used to working with more, I should say, off-the-beaten-path uh, systems uh, pick Linux because they know they can get engineers to work on it. And it's really great to see um, uh, you know, software engineers look at a career in embedded uh, as an attractive thing to do um, uh, and, and, and are able to use their Linux skills in a couple different contexts instead of just doing enterprise work. So I found that was... Um, uh, a little bit surprising of all the reasons um, I I expected to hear. That's one I really did not expect to hear. And lastly, um, the the other uh, large driver was uh, not necessarily device support, but it's a variant of device support, and that's root file system um, support. So those are things that you can do out there um, running in user land that are either expensive, difficult uh, to obtain, or non-existent on on alternative operating systems. Um, I can't tell you how many uh, engineers that I talked to and project managers were thrilled with the fact they could pick from three or four different small HTTP servers that they could then modify uh, in order to meet the needs of their project. And that made life a lot easier for them. It wasn't just a you know, pick one sort of thing where they had no choice over you know, what server to get. They could pick one that, ha- that specifically fit their needs. Same with things like uh, a, with um, uh, customers that had... Um, need for SSH or customers had need for SNMP um, or customers that had need for even file sharing services. They did have their pick and they could uh, select what worked best for them and they weren't uh, stuck, so to speak, with a certain uh, with a certain version of software or a certain vendor of software. And I thought that was very interesting. It, it works a lot like the driver model where you, you think, well, I have all these drivers and I can support my hardware, um, but it's it's much deeper because uh, customers are able to produce what they view as being uh, better software faster uh, by relying on the components that you would find in the root file system, things they used to have to write themselves. And I, I was always sort of curious whenever I uh, talked to customers that used you know other operating systems and to see the amount of work that they did by hand. Um, in fact, I was looking, talking to one customer in their prior release of the product. This is something that, without revealing the, the customer's name, they had a product that used a touchscreen uh, GUI. And um, they did a lot of that touchscreen GUI engineering by hand. And they were starting to evaluate different um, different Linux alternatives. And they found out that, hey, you know, if I use Linux, um, I can get a, a touchscreen library. I can get a GUI library. I can get something to handle buttons for me. I can get a. I can do a better job for my end customers. I can deliver to them both more features at, at lower cost than if I, I had to do this in house. And you know, if they looked, if they picked an alternative operating system, that is something that they did in fact have to do 
um, in-house. Uh, and that would substantially reduce their, 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 their total cost with respect to delivering their system, not only in uh, time, um, uh, but in, in money as well. And so, uh, and that's a savings that would show up you know, year after year as they continue to uh, improve their product and not have to worry about, uh, uh, when I want to call it, peripheral software, so to speak, that while it's you know, vitally important that they have, really isn't their business model. Um, for this particular company, I mean, it wasn't important that the display, you know, look a certain way or the or the buttons have a certain shape, but it was vitally important that they did have buttons and they did have a touch screen. And with their with their current solution, that's something that they had to do on their own. And with Linux, they were looking at a substantial savings simply by uh, beginning to use uh, components and software already out there and available in the open source community. Now, I did want to uh, bring up uh, a couple uh, things because I, when I started, I probed, it's like, well, you know, so you came into to Linux, you had these certain expectations um, about why you picked. And for customers, or, you know, it's a broad range of customers. Some customers were considering Linux. Some customers were just starting their project. Other customers were, you know, in the throes of engineering. And uh, yet other customers were out there. And they had released two or three revisions of the product, and they were working on their fourth or fifth or third revision. And um, they all had uh, different different views. Whenever I, I I asked them, well, you know, for the reasons that you picked Linux, did did you find that you know Linux was in fact uh, right for you? Did did it match up with your with your expectations? And in that case, of course, the folks that are just getting involved doing development couldn't answer that, right? But the folks that were involved in, in Linux overwhelmingly said yes. And I think that's a ringing endorsement uh, for Linux. Um, and when I sort of probed around a little bit, um, I found that customers were um, um, even surprised at the amount of uh, at the amount of productivity they, they got out of Linux versus what what they thought. And when I when I asked more questions and tried to understand, I found that a lot of the, the a lot of the companies involved weren't at all afraid of doing um, their own Linux investment. Um, and I'm I know, I'm making little floating quotes with my fingers investment. And I, they understand that Linux is um, uh, a material where they where they will need to do some amount of changes to, right? So they don't view it as something completely finished for them. Uh, they view Linux as something where they can get in and and make changes, and they expect to do that. And there's not a um, trepidation on the part of uh, managers or engineers to dig in and, and make changes. Um, of course, it depends a little bit on the company. Some companies were, um, uh, as a way, uh, as an operating, as a way the company operated, some companies were less willing to take on that risk while others were were more willing uh, but but in all the the slant was companies were willing to do some amount of work in linux and they look forward to that and uh, didn't view it as necessarily a a large risk or a big uh, detriment to adopting the operating system over other operating systems and the other thing is that Along with not uh, not being afraid to invest in Linux, that sort of signals that customers weren't um, afraid of uh, paying for Linux or didn't view Linux as being free as in I don't have to pay anything. Um, most of the customers understood the value that a commercial Linux 
um, distribution offered and that system integrators offered, and they made their pricing or they made their 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 buying decisions rather rationally, um, and and at no really at no point really expected something to be completely free and operational for their board up and running that they didn't have to pay for. So that was very good research. Um, uh, you know, so, so of course, if as, a, as a Linux vendor, it's important to always to find that your customers are, are see value in what you're doing and willing to pay you. But it does help. Um, it does help from a business perspective to understand that you know customers see the value that commercial Linux distributions offer, um, and you know pair that up against what it would cost to do the same thing internally and and see the value that that's offered. Um, so I found that to be uh, very good news. I also found that customers, depending upon the course, depending upon the customer, um, um, also want some level of uh, help. You know, a lot of customers when they said, "Okay, I I picked Linux because it's you know free software, and I know I'm going to be able to change it, and I know I'm going to want to change it." Um, there were two obvious uh, you know approaches to doing that. Some companies had that expertise in house, so uh, if you had a, a larger company, they would or even a smaller company, I shouldn't say it's either large or small, but some companies had the engineering resources on hand in order to do the changes that they wanted to make to Linux in order to make it acceptable for their uh, for their particular commercial use. And those customers, uh, of course, would have someone internally make the changes, and um, uh, they would track that investment uh, and changes they would make, and they would try to contribute those to the open source community. That's something I did find, that they were actually fairly willing to contribute. Um, the the other is that uh, companies were quite happy to pay someone else to do that, um, and uh, that I don't say it was surprising, but that was interesting to see that you know, even in the face of free software, the uh, companies still intended to focus on their value add and were quite comfortable uh, contracting out uh, either to uh, a reseller uh, or to an individual company. Uh, pardon me, either to a reseller or to like an individual contractor, you know, certain parts of their system. So that was really encouraging to see that sort of, uh, not to sound too markety, uh, ecosystem growing up around Linux. Um, and and it, would, it was also encouraging that uh, a lot of the buying managers or, or you know managers that had purchasing approval understood that uh, Linux in and itself wasn't something that was uh, free as in cost-free, uh, but rather... Uh, supplied them with uh, freedom with respect to the software they they created, uh, and and could ship out on on their on their boards. So that that's really what I really wanted to cover uh, for my uh, talk. I, I Jenna, I probably would uh, talk uh, longer. Um, however, I didn't have Mache to to talk with me, so I, I'm sorry uh, about that. I really am. I, I know he'll be coming back uh, shortly, and. You know, maybe later we'll have a, a conversation between the two of us about uh, other patterns we found um, uh, among uh, customers and why they pick Linux and how Linux ended up being uh, advantageous for them. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, you can send them uh, to us. Uh, the email address is podcast at timesys.com, uh, or you can always visit us at uh, timesys.com. Uh, either way, whatever works best for you. I think we have on Freenote too. There's a IRC channel for us at uh, it's uh, Pound Timesys um, at uh, irc.freenode.net. You can visit us there. Usually, either myself or Mache are, are hanging around and more than happy to hear any of your comments or questions. Uh, 
So again, love to hear from you. Oh, you know what, too? I'm getting flagged because I forgot to mention that at the bottom of our podcast page, there's a feedback link. And we notice that we have a lot of customers and uh, customers, but visitors that come there and they they cancel. They don't post their comment, which is really curious. Um, but if you have any questions or comments, please drop by, drop us a line. I'm more than happy to hear from you. Um, thank you very much. And uh, we'll look forward to having you for our next episode. I'll probably be ready in about two weeks or so. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Timesys. Check out our new site to get free code, discuss, and learn about embedded Linux development. Go to timesys.com today.